With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard. Comes out to Essien! Oh my goodness. It's a catch attack. It's a new dropper. And now Kitty in the middle. Dropper goes. Stretch it. Stretch it. Mix it on when you do. Stretch it. Stretch it. Stretch it. Drop it in the centre. McCoy just came from the ground and went for that. Bleak as this. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Chessie Hour. I know it's been a while. You know, I know some of you guys have probably been missing us. I'm surprised if you if you did, but we're back again. You know, bringing you your weekly Chelsea supplement. You're joined by me today, your host Babs, and I'm joined by two of my favourites, um, Timpson. How are you doing? Very good. Always a pleasure to be on with you. Always a pleasure to be on Chessie Hour. Always, always, always. And I'm joined by um, our favourite resident hater, Freemium. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I got a lot of hate in my heart, man. I can't. Walk. I've honestly missed missed hating a little bit, man. So I'm looking to get back in my back. Now I'm, I'm surprised you even took a break. I'm surprised you took a break. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't take the World Cup, you know, as a perfect, you know, platform to really demonstrate your hate on a worldwide stage. Honestly, the World Cup was was definitely a platform for some of the, the best haters. And I saw some elite hate, but I was just kind of taking notes and just trying to see what I need to elevate my game, man. Because there was mm. some really world-class hate going on during the World Cup. I hear it. I hear it. I know, obviously, you know, it'll be a rebuild. It, would, it wouldn't really be right for us not to discuss the World Cup a bit. You know, we had quite a few players represented. So I just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on um, who do you guys think impressed at the World Cup and potentially comes back in a, in a better light than what they did um, initially. Um, Freeman, I'm going to start with you. I mean, definitely, definitely not Mount. Can't uh, can't say that about Mount, unfortunately. Like, I was I was really looking for... A lot of people were expecting him to have a big tournament. So I can't say Mount. But I would say... I would say Ziyech, maybe. Maybe Pulisic as well. The kind of players that kind of were looking to get rid of, maybe had like a good little... 
appearance, you know, in the in the shop window. So I'm I'm happy about that. Um, yeah, I think obviously, uh, yeah, maybe Thiago Silva as well. Thiago Silva, obviously, but doesn't really need, just goes about saying Thiago Silva, Kovacic, obviously as well. Yeah, Kovacic was solid. And I would like to say Jorginho, but unfortunately he wasn't there either. So, man, it's kind of it's kind of peak. <laughs> Damn, you even, even taking shots at players that didn't even get to qualify for the World Cup. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, I'm going to go over to you, Timson. So, on, on, on that regard, um, were, were there any players that you were a bit disappointed with in, um, you know, in terms of their World Cup performance? And how do you think they could potentially turn it around for Chelsea? Disappointed in their World Cup? Cup performances or disappointed with their Chelsea performances prior to the World Cup, did you say? More so the World Cup performances. Obviously, Double M, Mason Mount, he came into it as an undisputed starter for anyone who knows Southgate and Southgate selection tendencies. So he came into the England squad as a, as a solid starter and was ousted by Jude Bellingham, deservedly so, uh, because of Jude's performances, but ultimately Mason helped him out a lot by un, by not giving adding any value um, in the games that he was he played in or limited value, let's say. So he was the, probably the biggest disappointment. Um, Honourable mentions for players who played reasonably, who who kind of gave a good account of themselves. Obviously, Hakim Ziyech, Morocco. Um, like he, he, his work rate was the thing that was always called into question. Not necessarily his creative numbers, but his work rate and his output was outstanding for Morocco in the World Cup. Christian Pulisic has reminded us that when he's in a com- comfortable, stable environment where he feels a valued and appreciated, he can produce. I wouldn't say he gave a Messi-esque carry. He did a Messi-esque carry job, as far as. Um, his input in taking USA um, as far as they got to, but he was clearly a, a pivotal, pivotal figure in that in that side. So those were the names, um, and then there was a number of players that just give you what you expect. Cover gives you what cover gives you, and then other than that, yeah, there's not really really anyone else that that comes to mind. Yeah, man, let's pretend men doesn't exist for now, man. <laughs> oh my oh, oh, oh yes God. fair let's, enough fair enough about you know what I th- let's, I think, let's talk about... yeah I think now will probably be a good time to probably get into a bit about the Mendy discussion Um, reports came out today that Chelsea withdrew an offer that they initially made from in terms of his contract so I believe it was a six year contract offer Um, so that's what to get you was guys withdrawn or rejected by, Ch- by Mendy I'm not sure it, it was one of the other I think I think it may have been rejected but I just want to get you guys' thoughts on um. Mendy, because I, I've seen a lot of the names that we've been linked to in terms of goalkeeper replacements, you know, the likes of um, Sanchez at um, Brighton. You know, I've seen some people even say Emmy Martinez. And I'm not exactly sure any of these guys that have been mentioned are a up, clear upgrade on Mendy. So I just want to get you guys' thoughts on where you think it is now with, with, his, with his Chelsea career. Do you think you can turn it around? I'll go first on Edu. And he's got problems. He's got problems. So based on my following of the contract negotiation stories, um, from what I've seen from reputable sources, is that he's looking for money similar or greater to Kepa, 
which the club have raised their hands up and acknowledged that was a mistake to give him that length of contract and that, that much money. So we're not trying to replicate that mistake by some, giving someone comparable money. The length of the contract is almost the same. Kepa signing a seven-year deal compared to Mendy's six um, offer. So I'm not sure what I'm not sure really what he wants. Would he? He's welcome to test the open market, but based on current form, I would be hypercritical of myself if I was Mendy and say the money that I'm asking for, whether it's 150, 120, whatever he's asking for, can I go to another club, even as a free agent? And get that and get that money as a for a for a team um comparable to Chelsea in terms of stature. I'm not sure. I doubt it. Fair enough. What about you, Freedom Premium? Man, Uncle Mandy, man. I don't know what's going on. He's just going, I don't like he needs to come through with a tell all man. He needs to just write a book, a blog post, or something that explains what's happened. Because he was undisputably one of the best keepers in the world just a few years ago, man. Like, undisputed. Like, we were... I remember when I was hearing football journalists vote for, like, keeper of the year, and I was seeing people that didn't have many in their top three, and I was going, oh, this, these guys are insane. These guys don't know what they're talking about. And he was just... It was just so clear that Mendy was one of the best keepers. And for some reason that I cannot explain, Uncle has just fallen off. Just fallen off a cliff, man. And this... It's hard to watch. It's sad. It's a, it, it hurts. And I don't know. Um, I don't know what. I hope he can turn it around. But yeah, this contract situation, like you need to be in a good, in a good playing well, right? In a good place with your form. If you're going to ask for more money, let's be real. Like you cannot go into a contract negotiation relying on form from the past. You can't say, look what I did two years ago if you're trying to negotiate for a contract today, you need to be delivering your best football to say, look, I'm a top keeper. I'm a top player and I can, and I've proven it and I'm proving it still. And if you're not doing that, then you need to, you need to be realistic. You're not going to go into that contract, into that contract negotiation with the, with the, with the best hand. You're going into that contract, into that negotiation with a weaker hand. And the club might even be like, Bro, this is great. Like the club might be excited because they might not really not want you around, and they're like, "Yo, we're getting this guy off. We're, we're we're moving him away to a different team. He's off the books. We can just like you know mess him about in the negotiations and run down his contract." So I don't know, man. I feel like he does need to recover, but then he doesn't. I don't know. He hasn't really had the trust of the new manager. Like where he had the trust of Tuchel, he doesn't have the trust of the new manager, and the manager is playing Kepper over him, which obviously I personally feel offended for him watching them play Kepa over him like the way they're doing. Like it's kind of insane. But you know, obviously until Kepa like produces the howlers that he's famous for, you can't really claim that you should be playing over him. And unfortunately that's the situation that he's found himself in. Obviously he can't like he can't get more money than Kepa or even equal money than Kepa because nobody should have paid Kepa that money. And so he's yeah he's in a sticky position man. It's a sticky position for Ankh man. I hope he turns that around man. But yeah, it's not. I, good. I, I heard a lot of hope there, Freeman, um, in, in, in regards to him turning it around. So, do, do you? I know you, you're a statistical man. You, you like your numbers. What do you think of the odds of him turning this form around from from the last twelve months? Man, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just hopeful, man. I don't want to see Unk go out like this. Man. Like him going outside 
it's just it's yeah, man. It's it's I don't want to see him go outside. Like at least he, let him turn it around, let him play a few games, let him turn it around, and then let him leave on a high. Let him let him like prove that he's better than Kepper and then leave on a high. I'm not sure how likely like better than Kepper, I'm fairly confident he can prove that. That's not I'm not like set high bar. I'm just saying that if he plays and he gets someone against, he should be able to prove that he's better than Kepa. But whether he'll be able to prove that he's good enough to be the starting undisputed number one, I don't know, man. I don't. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. I'll say that. Yeah, it is a bit worrying, you know, when you when you do look at his form, you know, the last twelve months. So you compare him to what where he was being rated at beforehand. So, um, Tiz, I'm, I'm going to come over to you um, a bit more now on um, what's happened, you know, post the World Cup. Well, during the World Cup in terms of the friendly. So obviously. Armando Broja um, unfortunately got injured in the um, Aston Villa game. Um, just how detrimental to our season do you, do you think that could be? Armando Broja, we wish him a speedy recovery. And he's a type of striker that we're now lacking. Aubameyang is someone who stretches the lines in his prime, but he's going to slow up, uh, whether it's this season, whether it's in a season's time so he's a problem like I don't think he has the pace that he used to have so Broyar was a quick player that could get in behind and was just a, a definite goal threat um, in behind that defenders had to worry about so that's one type of striker that we're lacking Kai we're like we're still trying to figure out Kai so it's a problem it's a problem because this is a long-term target uh, this is a long-term player that we've invested a lot into that now won't get minutes at a period where he could have easily claimed the starting striker position if Kai and Aubameyang don't buck up their ideas, essentially. But in terms of the size of the impact it leaves, I'm not quite sure because there's an Ivorian who's just turned 20 years old, who's apparently in London, according to Fabrizio, uh, completing a medical. So I'm not quite sure his level, but it's feeling like a like-for-like like in terms of one young player is out um, and then we have a young player potentially available. Will he stay and replace Breuer in the squad? Who knows? But at the moment, I'm not quite sure of the size of the impact because he wasn't a, a nailed-on star and the minutes that he was getting were okay for a young star and we've got a young star of similar of similar caliber in terms of stature, age, experience, that albeit doesn't have the Premier League experience, but um can definitely take take those youngster minutes that Broy was getting. Fair enough. And I'm free, I'm gonna come over to you. Um obviously the signing of Datro Fafana has been all but confirmed by um, Fabrizio Romano. I just want to get your thoughts if you've seen anything on him. You know, what, what, what where do you think his, his future lies? I know we, we spoke briefly um in the group chat and just for the pod about um, our other signing and the fact that you think they they may just be going straight back alone. So, do you think that he's been signed with um, a line of replacing um, Broha and potentially pushing the current strikers, or do you think it's going to be a, a, another one where you see us a, a guy coming in being signed and going straight back out on loan? I think um, I think he might be going on loan. I mean, I, I'm good either way. I haven't, you know, done my research. I've only, you know, followed what. Um, some of the Twitter experts have said and uh, and watched his highlight reel. And from the highlight reel, I like what I saw, you know, but obviously sometimes you gotta you got to take highlight reel. You all the time you have to take highlight reels with a grain of salt because 
anybody can, you know, produce, you know, five minutes and moments from anyone's career, basically, or anyone's season. Anyone from him? Anybody? Yeah, man. I've trust me. I've seen highlight reels of some dud players, man. Do you remember uh, Curlon, the Brazilian Curlon, the one who used to do the who used oh to do headers like a seal, seal dribble. <laughs> Curlon Morisosa. Yeah, man. Anyone can be amazing, man. Everyone thought he was the new Kaka, man. Everyone, could, anyone can be amazing in uh, in a highlight reel. So yeah, man. Trust me, you should see my highlight reel. It's elite. It's elite. Yeah. So I've seen his highlights. He looks good. Do I think he's gonna? He's been brought in to replace Berger. I don't. I feel like he's maybe been a. I feel like the new recruitment looks to be doing his job properly and not being reactive and not um saying oh we need to fill fill uh, uh get get a gap stop player because someone got injured. It looks like they're trying to sign for the future. And it looks like they've done the, their research. And from what I've heard, he does seem. It seems like you know it's a well thought out uh, signing. Do I feel like he will be? A replacement for Brozier this season, potentially. I mean, it depends if we feel that we need to replace Brozier. I mean, he's not played that many minutes this season. He's mostly getting like you know the charity end of game minutes coming off the bench, and I don't really feel like the last ten minutes of games is really something where you need to replace that player if they're not playing those last ten minutes. But you know, anything could happen. They could they could use the opportunity that um, Brozier's injury has given them to to keep him uh, for the rest of the season and see how. Just to, to bed him with the squad and keep him for the rest of the season, or they could send him directly out on loan and you know let him get some starter minutes. I'm kind of good with either option. I'd happy from happy happy for him to go on loan because I when the, when you sign young players from um, from leagues that are not really the top league, it's not impossible to send them straight into like the Premier League. But um, if it's not a top league, I would like to see them get some maybe more minutes just because. Yeah, man, Get, getting given the Brozier minutes in the Premier League, I don't feel like that's going to really help his growth. Whereas if he could get like starter minutes in Serie A or in the French League, I feel like that would be much better for his, for his growth and much better for Chelsea in the long term. No, I definitely, definitely agree. And there definitely has been um, an emphasis on the youth, you know, in terms of developing them a lot more. There's been this Project 2030 that's been branded about a, a lot um, on Chelsea Twitter by some journalists. So it'll be definitely interesting to see how a lot of these signings are um, actually being integrated because I, I guess there is that um, whole loan um, view to, 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 to develop players rather than bringing them on, like, as you just said, in the last 10 minutes, because as you just say, it's not exactly the best of, um, well, sample sizes to actually be able to judge a player on. So, for them to go out on learning, maybe an, an actual beneficial um, avenue for the players. Um, Tim, so I'm going to come over to you. Um, speaking on the, the development um, um, and the whole recruitment arm. So Christopher Vivelle, he's just been recently announced as um, the new Chelsea technical director. Um, obviously, he's done a, he's done a massive job at the Red Bull Group. Um, he was part of um, the multi-club um, vision that they had in terms of like having Salzburg, Leipzig, etc. And there has been a lot of that discussion being going on um, regarding Chelsea. So what kind of impact do you think he could have on the, on, on the club? And are you a fan of the multi-club um, structure or do you, do you think there's some potential drawbacks that it may bring? Oh, <clears throat> so if he can bring anything to bring to from Leipzig and the Red Bull club multi-club model to 
positively impact Chelsea and their attempts at establishing a multi-club model, then I'm all for it. I love how fine-tuned the Red Bull process is. For those that don't know, they probably sign... Um, the process is so seems to be almost so smooth and seamless. Obviously, there are players who don't match the level when it comes time to progress. Uh, Samson Tajani, Nigerian under-20 international at one stage. He goes to Leipzig, but they immediately loan him out to the Austrian Bundesliga Div 2 side that they have in their satellites, um, Liefering. He spends a couple. He spends a season or two there. Then he moves on to Salzburg, where there's a space available for him. Then you move on to potentially Leipzig or wherever. We've seen countless players kind of follow this trend. Someone like Karim Adeyemi has done that same thing from Leipzig to from uh, Liefering to Salzburg to Leipzig. So the process is so fine tuned, and it seems so good at becoming a finishing school for these players uh, with the ultimate goal of getting them to the first team, aka Leipzig or an equivalent club for a profit if they don't make, don't quite match the grade for Leipzig or in this case, or in Chelsea's case, Chelsea. So I'd be a big fan of anything he can take from the Red Bull system and implement at Chelsea. As for the model in itself, <clears throat> there's a lot of criticism that comes with Red Bull because of the way they've trampled on the heritage of clubs, changing the names, going from obviously Red Bull, Red Bull uh, Leipzig and obviously Red Bull um, Bragatino in Brazil. People just don't like their club's heritage uh, messed around with. We can see that when Mike Ashley renamed St. James's Park the Sports Direct Arena. So that is an issue. And in just terms of management, what do you prioritise? Do you prioritise the development of players? Does it become a Barcelona B system in the sense that Barcelona B coaches are told don't get relegated and try and develop and prior but prioritise the development of players good enough to come through Barcelona B into the first team? But then those those managers have a balance in that because every now and again they need to play a 36-year-old over a promising 18-year-old to make sure they don't get relegated and win the next couple games to get seven points from the last five to get seven points from the last five games to ensure they stay up. So it's a balancing act for those. It's a it's an additional level of pressure and an, another target for these satellite club managers. So there's some good and bads to it, but ultimately if we can provide a clear pathway in terms of development and um, otherwise a finishing school at clubs in leagues that play similar styles of football to Chelsea and the Premier League, then I'm all for it because we're at the end of the day, we're better preparing players to play for Chelsea and we're still developing players instead of loaning them out as commodities to make money with little care given to the clubs and the style of play that they're going on loan to. So ultimately, I'm more in favour of it than I'm against it for the reasons I've just listed. Very, very well put there, Tips, and that's for usual. Um, Freeman, do you have anything to add on, on that in terms of um, the Christopher Vell in addition to the Chelsea team? I'm all for it, man. These guys are not spending my money, so I'm all for it. If they want to do a multi-club model, I'll watch it. It's going to be entertainment, man. Like I feel like it's a good idea. I'm, I'm not too invested about whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, to be honest, because... As long as, you know, the the main club is doing well, I'm going to be happy. I'm not going to be bothered about if, you know, 
another club that is linked gets relegated or not. That's not that's not my investment that is uh, going to waste. So I feel I feel like it's a good idea. I think it's interesting in terms of the loans because obviously in general football has been cracking down on some of the, the loans and the number of loans you can make. So having a multi multi club structure where you can kind of force your players uh, to play and you know control that game time and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a good idea, but obviously, I don't know how. How uh, it's a good idea currently. I don't know how that's gonna how that's gonna change in the future. But obviously, we don't know. Like, I don't know really what the rules are gonna be because obviously, if you have a if you own if we own two clubs, let's say, and they crack down on loans and saying you can't loan more than X players, they can't really stop anything to do with sales. So yeah, I guess there could be workarounds to the the solution to any future issues with loans. I think it's going to be interesting. I think it'll be good for the young, like it makes sense in terms of hiring, buying a lot of young talent and then you know, buying other clubs where they can play out and maybe they can develop. But yeah, I mean, the, the proof will be in the pudding, man. If it works out, it's a great move. It's definitely an interesting idea. And I think in football, man, like a lot of the time we, we stick to, you know, what's tried and tested and, and we don't really explore new ideas. So I'm all, I'm all for it, man. I'm all for trying to see what um, a new way of ideas can bring. Like, nobody expected Brentford to, you know, hire non-football people and exceed at, at football, you know, and they did. So I'm all for it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's that outside of the box thinking that really allows clubs to push themselves further, further forward than the other clubs because obviously, you know, you have like a club like in Madrid, they're a heritage club. So the reason they're going to be at the forefront of um, of, of players' minds is, is just for that mere fact. So any additional um, selling point for players for Chelsea definitely be a, a massive plus. And for me, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I've I've liked some of the, some of the names of clubs that they've um, mentioned, especially the the Leon link. I think that could be a really good link in terms of like actually having players develop there and even potentially bringing some of their players over here. Um, other than that, I think. The only problem with some people is going to be obviously the whole loan thing. I know some people just aren't, aren't big fans of it, but I just don't see how that's an issue for Chelsea, if that makes sense. So for me personally, I just look at it as a, as a massive positive. And if it is allowed to be going go forward, because if it is allowed to go forward, it'd be interesting. I'm, I'm not sure how it works in terms of like, for instance, two be, owner being able to own two clubs within UEFA competitions. So like, for instance, if you've got two clubs in, in the Champions League, I'm not sure how that how that works. Well, because obviously we've seen it with Red Bull, says like how Salzburg and Leipzig are both in the UCL. So it will interesting how, how how that works out in the, in, the, in the long run. So um, talking a bit more about Chelsea players, um, one of the biggest pieces of news that we've seen has been Reese James coming back from injury. As you can all imagine, it's, it's a very very relieving factor for our season because there is definitely a, a big argument from from many fans that he's probably arguably our best player and probably our future captain. So. What do you guys think his um, impact can be coming back from injury, and just how key do you think he will be going into going into this um, busy, well, post Christmas period of football? I'm going to start with you, Freeman. I mean, I think he's going to be key, man. I think he's going to I think he's top class. I'd love to have him as captain. I'm happy that he's back. I'm happy to watch him, you know, scoring goals in training. I feel like he, um, yeah, man, he doesn't get the respect that he deserves, man. I feel like, well, he does now, but he took it took him a while to get there. And um, even for me, to be honest, let me let me be the first to say that he has improved because I remember there were some um, had questions about his game, about his progressive passing and 
you know, his link up and uh, and he's just improved, man. He's just really improved and he's just added so much to his game in terms of like his finishing and and his, just just his um just his overall quality on the ball, man. Like his his crossing ability has gone up. So I, I feel like he's just a massive miss because you know you can't really you can't really just play Aspilicueta and expect that you're going to have the same kind of impact. So he's definitely a big miss. Whether um, this is going to, this is the, he's the deciding factor on the season. I don't know. I don't like to, um, I don't like to, to, to pretend that like one injury is ruins the season because I don't, I really feel like there's not really many teams that are one team players and I don't think we are either. So I don't feel like him, his injury, injury or Chiro's injury or anyone else's one person injury is the make or break all. But he's definitely going to be an addition. I'm sure Paul will be happy to have him back because hopefully he can take some of that pressure. Put he can take some of that pressure and put it on his back and you know score a couple, couple goals to to bring us some points home, man. Because yeah, man, the pot is looking empty currently. <laughs> I like that one. That, 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 that was that's a, that's a nice little slider name you, you, you got cooking over there, um, Timson. What about you? J- just how important do you think Rich James coming back from injury is? Him. And Ben Chilwell, was it last season or the season before, had us sitting, what, four points clear at the top before they both got injured. And Reese has just increased his influence and um, the value he adds to the team since then. So he instantly improves us on both sides of the ball. We become a more dangerous attacking side because of his delivery and his goal-scoring threat we instantly become better defensively because he takes it on his chest to take on usually the best team's attacker, whether it's a Rafael Leal or it's a super informed Martinelli or whoever who plays on the left-hand side of the opposition. And we trust him to handle that. Certain right-backs in Liverpool can't be trusted with uh, the toughest defensive assignments. And we know he would have been a staple in the England squad had he been fit. So the fact that he's back, he just improves us on both sides of the pitch. And he just gives us that talent factor where the team's not necessarily performing, but similar to Argentina in the World Cup, Messi will do something for us. Neymar will do something for us. Reese will make something happen. That's what we've now got back because he's in, he, he's available. Um, so you, are you calling Reese James our, our Neymar? I had that too. Until one of our attackers steps up and claims it right, and claim an attacker rightfully claims it for the in that position, it's really and truly Reese James coming in clutch because none of the attackers dare raise their hand and say I'm that guy. It's Reese James. Nah, some of them raise their hand and say I'm that guy, and then they come up nothing all the time, man. But they, but they still try and raise their hand as every final they're they're raising their hand shooting from the. 35 yards, trying to score one of the goals. But yeah, man. But Rich James, it does deliver. That's the difference, I'll say. He delivers what other people felt. The worst challenge to that, to, to that I'm that guy for in um, was Hakim Ziyech when he insisted on taking that penalty, when he insisted on taking that free kick in the Champions League. Was that not Tuchel's last game where he just insisted on taking free kicks after he slammed one in the wall or he blazed it over? And Rich James just looked at him The Zagreb like, game. Yeah, Reese James just looked at him like, "Are you serious?" So, I wouldn't challenge Reese James by raising my hand and saying, "I'm that guy." I would wait, get a run of games, 
consistently prove it. Make sure I'm a nailed on starter. When you feel like you're a nailed on starter or you make a face when you're not starting, that's when you can say, okay, maybe I am that guy. But until then, Rhys James is really that guy. I don't want a defender to be that guy, but the attackers that we have at the moment or the way that they're performing warrants him being that guy by default. Boy, it makes me sick how just how far we've fallen, man. <laughs> the a defender really having does, to be man, that really okay. Does. But it is it's it's just not right. And and the reason why I asked that question, as obvious as it is, you know, him being important, is I wanted to come onto the fact that he's has picked up quite a few injury issues. You know, and he's a very young player. So what do you think this could possibly spell for his, his long-term future? Are, are, are you guys worried about his, in, about his injury record? Do you think we should be bringing in another fullback to potentially um, compete with him? And yeah, who, who do you think that could potentially be? I'm concerned, man. I'm concerned. I'll tell you that I'm definitely concerned, man. It's um because it's a, it's a difficult situation for everyone involved, obviously, because the club just gave him the new mega contract that made him. I don't know. I saw a report that he was the highest paid defender or something like that. So obviously they've made a statement that he is that guy. So now, if he like, if obviously he got injured now, injuries can happen at any moment. If he you know doesn't, if he's not able to put together seasons of like 30, 35 games. You're gonna to have to. It's gonna be difficult to sell another quality player on playing for on playing in his position and being his understudy because you know that basically you're you're the guy until this guy gets fit and nobody expects you to be his level. Like you, you can't you can't really offer the the role to anyone his level. Like you can't. Just it doesn't make sense because you can't really have two right backs on that kind of money it doesn't make sense and i don't like the idea of relegating him to right center back or something like that just 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 to try and make it fit so really and truthfully it's a bit of a predicament yeah and it is worrying because if if he's not someone who can maintain fitness for for you know and be like a reliable steady eddie then it's a bit of an awkward position because he we kind of gave him that mega contract that says yeah we need you to be that guy and to be available and if he's not if he's not available then it's like well we can't exactly replace him with anyone like you can't offer Hakimi the backup Reese James role you can't offer like who can you really offer the backup Reese James role like, there's no one who's there's there's no name that I can think of that's like oh yes I want that player who is really going to be like, yeah, I'm happy to play back up to Reese James. So either either we, you know, we use young players or we, you know, play a winger at wing back and see and make them upset like we did with Cho. Something like that, man. There's no there's no like nice solutions that I can think of, man. How about you, Kenton? What are your thoughts on this situation? I agree with Freemium. We've it's almost like we've repeated us uh, we found ourselves in a similar situation that Tottenham found themselves in when Harry Kane was always missing a month to two months of the season every season for a while and trying to find a steady backup a quality backup to replace their captain their main man their highest earner just wasn't possible you weren't going to coax a reasonable guy to say yeah and even in the negotiations, yeah, we got a chance. You can oust Harry Kane. I'm not really going to. There's a reason why Tarek Lamptey left. He was, he didn't see, even when he was getting minutes, he was like, 
Reese James is in my path. I'm not getting over that. And this is before the bumper deal. This is before the England recognition. So to find somebody to whose quality, who puts you at ease when you think Reese James has picked up a knock, okay, this guy slots in. Similar to Robertson gets injured, okay, Simicast drops in, whether you have any, whether you like Simicast or not, they're stylistically similar and the, the, the gap in ability doesn't drop from, is only like here to here in comparison to Reese James to Aspie or whoever else um, has to deputise at right back. It's a problem. So for me, the only foreseeable solution I can think of is promote internally. Make a childhood academy Chelsea fan's dream come true and make them a first team player. We need to find someone with that, with more ability, but a Carl Jenkinson mentality. You know, Carl Jenkinson in his childhood bedroom was just Arsenal pictures all over the wall. We need someone who has that, but for Stanford Bridge, who's just like, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so happy to be here in living so, my so dream. So basically, the, 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 um, the, the selfless super fan. We need to, but they need to have more ability than Carl Jenkinson, obviously. Because <laughs> I, I, I definitely hope so. Arsenal love dedication, but even his, even even that dedication couldn't be couldn't help them over overlook his lack of ability. So I'm pinning my hopes on the guys that are currently in the squad, uh, that are currently in and around or on the club's books. Dujon Sterling was um, had 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 interest in uh, the favour of someone like Thomas Tuchel. So he's one I'm pinning my hopes on first and foremost to come in and, com- and compete or deputise with Reese. Then you're looking, obviously, he won't be ready for... Who was that, sorry? Dujon Sterling. Dujon Sterling, interesting. Then potentially you're looking at a Henry Lawrence as a capable backup in the future. He's definitely not ready now. Then your Dion rankings and whoever else could potentially uh, come through in the near future. Because I did tweet when we signed a certain Brazilian that I'm sure we'll get on to get on get on to at some point, a certain young Brazilian. I did tweet um when Fabrizio said it's all but done. I said, this is great, but is there no Danny Alves regen from South America that we can sign as a backup to compete with Reese? I'm not even that picky. Like it doesn't even have to be Danny Alves regen. It could be Cafu. Like I'm okay. <laughs> but we need something. I hear you, man. I, I yeah, hear you. What about Boy, nice Roberto Carlos? Maybe would you take that? Yeah. <laughs> he's not. He's, he's not. He's not doing what he's not. Roberto Carlos is nice, but he's not doing what my boy Ian Markson is doing at Burnley. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. And obviously, I'm speaking another player who's well had come back from injury. You know, the the big multi multi million pound um, signing, Wesley Fofana. He's been injured again. Um, Reports are saying he could potentially be out for three to four weeks. So I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on, on, on this because obviously, you know, he's, he's a big money signing. As far as I'm aware, we're all big fans of him, the player, and the potential he, he really holds to um, reach the top. So are you guys worried about his injury record? And um, where, where do you see it going from here on, here on out? Not yet. For me, and I went on a Twitter rant about this as well. I've got no issues with signing Wesley Fofana. On paper, he ticks all the boxes uh, in terms of potential, current ability, value added to the squad. He ticks all the boxes for me. My issue with the Wesley Fofana signing is less of an issue with the decision to sign him, but more the timing of the signing. I know we were lacking 
we had Rudiger and Christensen gone, but we'd already brought in Koulibaly and Levi Cole was coming off the back of a super championship season. So for me, I was looking at it like, why don't we wait another season? Because I didn't think we were going to die without an extra centre-back. Why wouldn't we wait an extra season? He's then one year further removed from the leg break. He's got one another year left. Le- he's got one year uh, further year down on the deal that he recently signed whilst he was injured. Leicester had agreed at that time the season of this this summer basically this summer coming. Leicester were prepared to let him go. So and they're better prepared. So we're not paying extra to sell a player that Leicester weren't ready to sell at a time where they didn't have time to get a replacement. And with that with that game time that obviously he's now getting, or he would have been getting at Chelsea now, that could have been the litmus test for Elivar Colwell, who's now playing very well at Brighton, but he could have done what Trev done and come out of nowhere essentially and um, stake to claim to be a starter in the squad at certain periods due to injury or wet or, or bad form. So that's my only issue with these. That's my only issue with the Wesley Fafana signing. In terms of my worry, it's because it's a recurring issue. It's happened twice. If it happens a third time, that's when we need to be raising concerns. But I know Todd Bowley obviously spent a lot of time with the medical. He had his specialist look into it. They would have looked at him from head to toe. They would have like raised. They would have noted it if he had ingrown toenails. So for this to be chronic, uh, I think it would have been picked up by now. So at this point in time, I'm not quite worried. But if it were to happen again, I'd be concerned. And as far as the Wesley signing, my only issue was I think we did it a season too soon. Always ever so detailed um, in your analysis, Tim. So thank you. Uh, Freeman, I'm going to come over to you. Um, not on the Fafana situation, but going on a bit more into the squad. So obviously there's been a, a massive contract situation with um, our two senior midfielders in Jorginho and Kante. Um, it's been reported that it's Jorginho's priority to actually stay at Chelsea, but there hasn't been any um, official talks in um, regards to a contract ex- ex- extension. And in regards to Kante... There's a feeling that he'll be leaving on a free transfer. Um, so, j- just how big of a loss do you think those two players w- w- will be? And would you personally be happy to let the both of them go? I mean, I'm I'm going to be sad to see Kante leave, but obviously, you know, he can't play forever, and yeah, availability has just not been there recently. But the problem is, like, when he's available, the level's so good that it's kind of like it's just, that's that's going to be the, the sad part. And you know that you're probably not going to see a similar caliber midfielder for a while like we're not gonna be able to immediately replace a Kante so I'm definitely not looking forward to him leaving but I can understand why leaving might be the best thing for him because simply because with his injury record it doesn't make sense that the club give him a, a bumper deal with bumper money and it's looking like you know he might his injuries are going to be I don't know. The, 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 I don't want to predict what his injury situation is going to be like, but it's just looking like he's not as available as he used to be. Let's put it that way. So it doesn't make sense for the club to give him a booster deal. It doesn't make sense for him to sign a, a short-term contract because obviously if your body's kind of like, you know, uh, not where it used to be and 
you have an option to get like a longer deal, more security, more time to you know to to, to remain at the top. Then obviously it's better because obviously if he signs like a one year deal or contract extension for one year and he gets injured, when he goes to look for another deal, he's just he's he's lost a lot of money that was on the table before he um, signed that deal. So. For sure, for him, it makes sense. Obviously, there's going to be offers for him everywhere, even in France, PSG, all those places. So for him, it makes sense to leave, and it'll be sad, especially if he leaves and, you know, and and he has no injury issues. That's going to be, it's going to, we're going to look really stupid just watching him ball out for, like, PSG or something like that, and, you know, just stacking his, his trophy cabinet. Uh, with the other one, well, you know, everything comes to an end. Can't, nothing lasts forever. What can you do? Man? Hey, premium! Oh my goodness! I'm not gonna cry. I can't. No, there's no use crying over spilt milk, man. What happens happens. If he leaves, he leaves, man. Like Jorginho's—he's on the decline. Let's be honest. We have seen a different Jorginho over the last two seasons. I have seen personally a different. Maybe not last two seasons. Maybe season and a half. Because obviously, I've never, never the biggest Jorginho fan. Because I, I I was watching that Napoli team that everyone's raving about. Watching, I was in Naples at the time, watching all those games, and he wasn't the superstar that people made him out to be. So I was never a massive fan of Jorginho, just because he, he just wasn't that good. He has... Um, wait, 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 what are you saying, Freeman? You, you, you were outside, but them man weren't. But brother, these players, yeah, that I have, that I was there, what, I was in the streets yelling, yelling at them for making mistakes. I couldn't be fooled about them. Like, I was never convinced. Like, I was outside throwing bottles like everyone else was, yeah? So, until... like, Yeah, man, you know, because especially when, when you're in Naples, right? Everybody loves football. Everyone's grandma loves football. Everyone's granddad loves football. The guy at the cafe loves football. There's, everyone just... It's a football city. So, I couldn't... No wall was pulled, can be pulled over my eyes about Naples, Napoli players. And Jorginho, I was hearing lots of... Oh, he was the secret. He was the key. And I was... Just annoyed hearing it because I knew that's not true. That's just not true. He was not the secret. He was not the key. He he might have been. He might have been one of the top three midfielders that they had. I'll give him that. If someone said he was third, I'll give him that. If they said he was, if they said it was debatable that he was top two, I told I'll call. I say you're lying. You're lying. There's just no. It's not debatable. Maybe maybe I'll let you debate second, but the difference between second and first is like, it's just it's not close. It's not close. Hamzik. Is a is a Napoli legend, a legend, and Jorginho cannot lace his boots. But that that you know that's let let, let me let bygones be bygones and get over that right because he, obviously he has improved, he did his job, he came to Chelsea, he won you know a few trophies. Is he the level that he that he managed to reach at Chelsea? No, is he gonna be uh, missed? Depends on on how we replace him. Is it possible to replace him successfully? Absolutely, absolutely. Do we want a like for like replacement? I probably might be inclined to um, saying yes to that. I would like a a player who's you know good on good on the ball, good in possession, safe, um, good at winning the ball back. Maybe obviously a bit more athletic. But um, yeah, we could do we could do a lot worse, but we could also do a lot better. So I'm not going to be some, here some, 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 some would want to say, who who are you describing in in that mold? In, in which mold? In, in the mold of Jorginho, bro. Who knows, man? Who knows? I could say, 
there's, there's probably a lot of there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of players that you could that you can see playing that kind of um that kind of football, but I don't want to I don't want to name names for players that you know could come in or that we've seen recently. So, but yeah, but I definitely know who I don't who I don't want to. I don't want to see um like a, a a replacement of Jorginho with a player who doesn't have um the qualities on the ball because I think that's one of the one of the most uh, important aspects of being um a uh, a deep a def- like a a six in a team that's a big a big team like Chelsea is you have to be good on the ball. I don't want to see us replacing him with people that need to improve on the ball. That's my that's my only that's my only concern is that we're gonna try and replace Jorginho with a player like Rice and yeah and that, that's gonna end in tears man. Very well put and um, and Timpson what what are your thoughts on the, the contract situation and where, where where do you think we should be going from here on out? <clears throat> I'll start off with Jorginho first and foremost been a servant to the club he's had his redemption he was Sari's boy Sari's son when he came in when things went left for Sari people automatically assumed it was the end of Jorginho he stuck around stuck it out took the booze took the criticism and ended up becoming a pivotal figure both in the changing rooms on on the football pitch and ended up winning us a Champions League title now He's been, in terms of style of play, Jorginho's been dead centre at a lot of arguments in terms of the type of midfielder that needs to be next to him. Someone, he can't be trusted to anchor a a midfield by himself. He needs someone next to him, which in turn inhibits players from their natural game. These are the arguments that I've heard about Jorginho. And for me, he's just been such a decisive figure such a point of contention amongst Chelsea fans that I'm very much ready to see the end of those debates, those arguments, those discussions around Jorginho and to get someone in who is defence first, more mobile and anchors a defence single-handedly. So that's my issue with Jorginho. I'm not, um, I agree with Freemium in that a top a DM is someone who's good at reading the game, winning tackles and gives it quickly. But to be a, a defensive midfielder or to anchor a defend, a midfield solo at a club like Chelsea, you need to add value on the ball. You need to add value in possession. You need to be able to beat a press with passing. You need to be able to pick a pass, be dangerous, um, whether it is one-touch passing, whether it is picking a key pass that Jorginho is capable of doing, I'll add when you're facing against a Norwich or uh, in a low block trying to hold out uh, in their 75th minute? Can you pick a pass? Can you be a problem? Can you do something that makes the defenders worry about you? So, yeah, that's the kind of profile of a a defensive midfielder that I want. I have um, someone that I would absolutely love because, to me, he's the closest thing we've had since to... Um, so he's the closest person around to Claude Makaleli, uh Florentino Lu- Luis at Benfica. I know Babs, you love up Enzo Fernandez, but it's his, it's his midfield partner that I'm a fan of. As for Kante, si- similar standpoints to Freemium in that injuries. It's going to be a while to before we have uh, a player of his calibre that opposition fans can't say anything about. 
because at the moment it's the only world-class player you have is Kante. Now there's a debate as to whether Rhys James, um, we have world-class players. We'll Rhys James will probably get there, but at this point in time, Kante is the definitive because he's just so good. His ability on his day is just unreal. He can just, he's just the difference. In terms of tactical solutions, he can do that. He can put in the running of two men, but it's just the best availability. The best ability is availability and he's just not been available. And to give him um, an extension on the wages he's on now, let alone in a, a, a bumper pay rise, just you just can't do. You have to look at it as where will he be at the end of that contract? What is he looking like? What is his ability looking like in the two in the, in the in the two to three years extension that you're giving him? So at this point in time, I agree with letting him go and um, freeing up two spaces in midfield for Chelsea and Potter to kind of shape the midfield as he wants. Because with those two players. You, you kind of have to play a certain way that accommodates them at this point in time. Very, very well put by the both of you. And speaking of freeing up midfield options, you know, the signing of um, a young Andres Santos from um, Vasco da Gama, the young 18-year-old Brazilian. Um, there's been a lot of excitement by certain Chelsea fans. Um, I'm, I'm not sure who, I'm not sure who, but I, I've, I've seen a lot of excitement from Chelsea fans. Um, he comes with a big reputation from Brazil, from Brazilian fans. I've seen a lot of <laughs> a lot of fans like losing their mind to the fact that they've, they've lost him for such a cheap fee. So hopefully he can be one of the guys to um, potentially replace the two. Um, I want to get you guys' thoughts quickly on him. Uh, Freeman in particular, I know you, you weren't as high on the signing as um, some of us have been. So I wanted to get your thoughts on the, the, the signing and what you think he potentially add to on the field and how much have you seen of him? I think that's, yeah, that's probably my first question. Yeah, all, like absolutely nothing is the answer. I've not watched any uh, Syria B Brazilian League football. I don't know anything about the guy. And um, I've only watched a couple of highlight reels on YouTube. And I am one of the, uh, like one thing that I do like for highlight reels is when I watch a highlight reel that's not impressive, I'm always like, huh, what? Like, what's going on? And this highlight reel, I can't lie, wasn't impressive. But obviously, that could be based. That could be that. That depends on a lot of things. Maybe the person who made the comp didn't, you know, didn't pay for the the whatever channel he needed, so he couldn't get all the games. He could only get the highlights from I don't know the matches that he could get recaps from on YouTube. I don't know, but I do know that um, I haven't seen enough to have any real opinion of him. And the highlight reels that I have seen, what well, they were good. So there were lots of like strange things that I was seeing in these highlight reels that kind of just, I don't understand what I was watching. I saw him score like at least five or six headers. And I'm like, what? He's a centre midfielder. Why has he got so many headers in his highlight reel? Like, I don't understand what's going on here. Fair enough. Maybe he's just like a, a, a header scoring monster, man. I don't know. But um, the one, another thing I noticed was that the quality of the opposition was just not there at all. I was watching things that I know don't I don't see happen a lot. Like he was kicking like he was kicking the ball ten yards in front of him and then chasing after it and getting there every time. And obviously it's a highlight role. And obviously it happens uh, that happens, but it was just happening a lot. A lot where I was like, what's going on here? Something something's not making sense. So obviously I don't I don't know the quality of the opposition and I will love to see him um playing for against you know proper proper midfielders, proper defenders. And I have read, you know, a lot of reviews and a lot of tweets from um there was a nice little thread with uh, someone was ex was translating the Brazilian fans' opinions of him, and there was a lot of um, 
high praise, but it was all like very generic. I couldn't really get to the the nuts and bolts of what he was good at and you know what his strengths were. He just seemed to be good at a little bit of everything. He scored a lot of goals. He provided a lot of assists. He won some tackles. But yeah, man, I I can't wait to see. Hopefully, he is what they say he is, and hopefully, we can get you know some better better highlight reels ready for him next year, man. Mm, very very well put. And I'm Timson. What about you? Oh, um, I'm going to say I've got almost little to no um, visual experience in watching him. From my due diligence and what I've heard from people I trust, he's my the, the thing I'm most excited about um, is his ability to impact the game on both ends of the ball. So he can add value in the final third and he, he's got monster... Um, duels and um, tackle statistics. So that's what I love to see. If you're going to be an eight, be an old school eight that can do it all. Back when 4-4-2 was the prime formation, you didn't have one pure sitter and one pure box-to-box. You had two guys who would just take it in turns. I'll go and attack this time. I'll go and defend this time. And he seems like a proper throwback in that in that mind, in, in that sense. Just the fact that he's getting in the box to win headers says a lot. Um, that his willingness to get really when he goes forward, he gets all the way forward. He doesn't hover around the edge of the box all the time and catch his breath. He gets he commits um, on both on both sides of the ball. So other than that, um, that's all my that's what I'm most excited about about the player um, and ultimately it just goes back to this new strategy that I'm a fan of in terms of signing players with high ceiling and high potential um, what we do with them I mean I'm excited to see but the fact that we're going for these top talents I'm really excited about um, similar to a Fofana where people saw it as a negative that he was linked to someone like Brighton. I found it as a positive because I've said instead of paying once they head to Brighton, that's an extra 25 to 30 million on their price tag after a season. There's a certain left back who was signed for 15 million, who has now been signed for 60 million at our our club just because of an English premium tax after one season in in, in England. Um, I would rather go where they're getting it from. Go, go instead of buying. Caicedo for 40 million I'd rather go and get the next Caicedo and I feel like we've done this with um, the Fofana signing and um, the signing of uh, Santos as well so um, I'm very pleased by that very very well put and um, on on me you know I've I know a lot of people well some people probably know I've been quite a big fan of him Um, he's been one of the midfielders that actually wanted us to sign um, as a replacement for the two since the summer, summer, since the summer transfer window, um, I think personally, I think he's a kind of player that he adds value immediately to the team. Just in the fact that we've missed having that kind of dual monster that we had in the Kante, you know. And I feel like he's the kind of player that he he seeks out the ball extremely well. He's got like a really good sense of like danger, and he's able to like read the read read any any sort of that danger in for, for a team. So for me personally, I'm, I'm excited for, for that purely, you know, on the defensive end. Him and Yuri, they've made like a really good um, partnership for Vasco da Gama. And quite similar to what you said, Simpson, it's been very much a Hugo, I, I, I sit kind of thing. So rather than there being like a traditional sitter for, for the team, 
him and Yuri have been taking terms. So I've actually seen Andre play that kind of, you know, six-year-old that people like to see in terms of staying in front of the defence, you know, making simple passes, you know, cleaning things up. But he's also played a lot more of a box-to-box role, you know, making last-minute runs into the box. You know, he's really good in terms of like the one-twos in and around the area and actually making those runs to get on the, on the, on the end of it. And we've seen that with some of his goals. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting signing because similar to what you've just said there, Freeman, we haven't seen him play at the top end of, of, of football yet. And obviously with him being a big part of um, Basco, being promoted to the Serie A, I wouldn't be surprised if he was to be loaned back and for him to play out the, the season there because I know their season, um, it starts off again in January. So he could potentially do that for, for them. But I would, be, I would also wouldn't be against him coming in and actually being an, a value-adding player now because I think he actually has quite a bit of quality that we could see a benefit from. Um, I think just in terms of like having a goal threat in midfield, he's also able to like help defensively. I think that's just going to be a massive value add. And I'm looking forward to seeing him play foot for Chelsea personally. I think the next thing to, to look at is the um, league season. So obviously it's been quite a bit of a break from the World Cup and um, going in now. So I just want to get, get, get you guys' thoughts briefly on the Bournemouth game and do you guys think there's any pressure on the team going into that game? Because obviously we're coming off the back of three back-to-back um, league losses. So how, how are you guys feeling going into that game? And are, are there any potential worries? Because I know Bournemouth have been quite a bit of a you know, stumbling block for us in the past. I'm going to start with you, Timson. I think we just have to... Uh, wind the clock's back. We have just lost a big game to Newcastle. And we're looking at risk of being cut adrift of uh, the top four. So it is a big game after a massive loss and our serious need to put points on the board and beat the teams we're expected to beat. It's a big game. So definitely, I think the only player that was involved in the World Cup for Bournemouth was, what's his name, Kiefer Moore. And that was for Wales at the group stages. Yeah. So they're relatively fresh. So they're coming off the back of a essentially a mini pre-season. So they're potentially more f- fresher. We saw it in the Aston Villa game where in the friendly, where they played majority of their first team and they just seemed more fresh, more at it than Chelsea um, who had a lot of youngsters in the team, albeit. So we're coming up against a team that's probably, uh, at this point in time, better conditioned. Uh, they have a better squad harmony because they've been training majority of this period. And we we desperately need the points. Fair enough. And what about you, Freeman? Just briefly on the, on the, on the game. I'm worried, man. I'm worried. I'm very concerned. I enjoyed the nice little break. I was enjoying just just watching two game a game where it was a team that I didn't care if they win or lose against a team I don't care if they win or lose, and you know both teams were, were scoring goals and I was enjoying it and it was great football. I'm worried, man. I'm back to reality. The dream is over. The World Cup has 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 ended, and now and I got I got to go back to my wife, man. It's crazy. I'm not happy about I, I it, can, man. I can, I can tell. I can tell, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask about you and your wife, but we'll leave it. 
But yeah, uh, before we end the pod, I've got a couple of listeners' questions um, from some of the guys from Discord. So the first one um, from Westside Gun. I know you're going to love this one, Freeman. Um, where does Mount go from here? Is it a managerial problem? Is it being misprofiled or is it just a slump? Before I come over to you, Freeman, I'm going to let Tim have a good discussion. Before I go over to you, I'm going to let Tim go in it first. Um, a lot of people, well, some people have said Mount is a victim of his own versatility. And to a certain extent, I agree. I think Tuchel loved him because he would give you energy pressing when necessarily it's not all that Mason Mount can give you. You didn't see him as a bulldog in the academy, just chasing down, uh, given a lot of energy, hard working, typical. He, he he stood out because he had quality on the ball. He had he added value on, on in possession. And I think not being able to play in or not being able to play in his favoured position as well as having to adapt to ever-changing tactical positions and roles has hasn't hasn't done him any favors so for him in terms of a make or break i would love us to go to um a system that allows for him to play as an eight and probably to be to have a clear six whose job is to defend and an eight on the other side of him whose job is probably to create an attack and you give mason mount the freedom to pick and choose the moments where he gets forward where he defends and mm. It's not on sorry, him. Sorry to talk to you, Timson. I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think Mason Mount is, a, is, a, is of, of a quality where it's worth changing your system to fit him in in that regard? If it's if if everyone else is isn't benefiting from the from from the system change, then I'll probably say at this point, no. But because I think in addition to um, unlocking Mason Mount, I think you unlock several other players as well in that midfield. You unlock um, a Conor Gallagher who can be box to box. You unlock a, a Ruben who can be box to box, drifting in off the left centre mid mid roll. Um, you potentially um, unlock Kante when he's fit as a right centre as a right centre mid who can um, just seek and destroy, hunt the ball in high advantageous positions. So there's a lot. Um, you've got a Carney as well who can be fitted into the squad, who can add value with his passing and his dribbling, but he's got two midfielders um, on his left that can cover for him and um, like give him confidence and another passing option. So to answer your question, no, he's not. But I think changing this changing the system to um, a three-man midfield would benefit a lot of other players in addition to Mason Mount. So I want to take away the defensive and offensive burden, have like, ideally, I would love to see Kai Havertz as an eight and just say, look, you get the ball from deep and you can attack. Then you have someone next to him as a six who can defend and say, look, I've got the defence covered, go and, go and impact the game in the final third. And then you have Mason Mount, who's essentially in the Yuri Tillemans role, um, who can pick and choose when he supports. And because the defend attacking onus isn't on him to create, uh, teams are less worried about him. And he can essentially just do his thing, whatever that thing may be. And we'll find out. We'll give him the. We'll give him his position. We'll give him limited responsibility in terms of um, the attacking portion of midfield, and see what he can produce. Freeman, I'm going to come over to you. What, what, what do you What do you think about that? 
I think a lot of those players that were named need to stay locked up, man. I don't feel like we should be unlocking some of them players, man. Some of them need to remain where they are in jail. Man. I can't, I can't like you. You've been cooking today, man. You've been cooking today. Your, your presence has been, has been missed in the podcast. Man, I'm telling you, man. Mason Mount is not... He's not in jail. He's not, he's not uh, suffering from his own success. He's suffering because the expectation or the what was told about him... And the, the 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 story that the journalists created and the media and Frank Lampard wasn't true. They created a story that just was not true. And now he has to live up to the story that was created about about him being, you know, the next the next English midfielder. And it's just not true. And and the problem that he's faced now is that once you're once he once you've you know you've had this story told about you. You have to then prov- you have to produce. You can't you can't then be like, oh, you know, I'm gonna go to two tournaments as a starter and I'm gonna come home with just one assist from a corner kick. That doesn't work. You 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 had the story told about you that you was the next best best thing. Okay, great, show us. And he's not been able to produce it. And I feel like a lot of what um a lot of what was used to support the claims that he was the next best thing was fraudulent. Like when you when a lot of the analysis that I watched the journalists do about Mason Mount was like, oh, yeah, look at his key passes per this and all of this. And a lot of it was like, okay, but once you take corners away, because Frank Lampard had that guy taken almost 100% of the corners. And we had Zuma, who was just there, knocking them into the back of the net. Just bam. Every every, every four games, Zuma was scoring a header from a, a corner. And that looks great on paper. It makes you look amazing. As soon as you're not taking those corners... You don't look so amazing no more. And a lot of the the story that was told about him was based upon things that just don't that aren't actually there. Like once you take away those corners and you actually look at the okay, so apart from the corners, what is he doing? The answer was not what what was being written about him in the in the newspapers. And he's been played now. He's been he, because he's um because he gives so much and and he's a fan favorite and he's from the academy. He ticks all the boxes for a lot of the managers and a lot of um. And a lot of the fans as well. So then, you know, pre- like expectation was built up on that, and and you can see that he internalized it. That's why when when I watch when we watch so many of the finals, especially a couple at the FA Cups, you see Mount playing hero ball. Mount comes off on the, on the World Cup. I can't remember the game. He takes a shot from like forty yards, and it's like, what are you doing, bro? Who do you think you are? Like, why do you feel that you are that guy? And it's a thing that happens consistently, where he feels like, okay. That's why I, I disagree with what Tinton said about um you know giving him the, the the freedom to choose when he attacks because we've seen what happens when you let him choose when he attacks he just attacks and that's it when we were playing with him and Habits as eights and you were looking at either heat maps it was just Mason Mount who was basically playing as a nine and then Havertz who was basically having to stay back all the time because Mason Mount was like no nah, I got this I'm gonna go forward and I'm gonna score and obviously if you're gonna take as many shots as Mason Mount takes the expectation is that you will score. It's necessary that you score, and you need to score more for the amount of shots that you're taking. And he's not able to do that. And you know, occasionally he can produce. You know, he can produce moments like the goal against West Ham, definitely standout, standout goal, and against Liverpool, another standout goal. But you cannot just occasionally produce moments. That is not what is being expected of the next best thing. The same way, right? The expectation for Deli Ali was extremely high extremely high but then and Deli Ali was producing at an extremely high level Mason Mount has the, has 
maybe even higher expectation, and he has at least not even half of what Dele Alli was producing. And the expectation that he's gonna that um that he's gonna be able to to reach you know these heights is just it's just unrealistic and should never have been in the first place. And a lot of the um the the next great English savior story that they told about him was false, and that's what we're seeing now in for even even for England, right? He's gone to the Euros, he's gone he's gone to the Euros and he's come back with one assist from a corner, he's gone to the World Cup and he's been benched, and it's because he's just not that guy. Like you when you watch him play. A lot of what he was doing was just being safe on the ball because one of the things that he's good at is not losing the ball. So when you when you like compare him to what we have, like Pulisic and Ziyech, those are the type of players where it's like it's easy to play mount over them because at worst he's just gonna keep hold. He's he's, he's gonna be able to keep possession and even maybe win 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 the ball back because he's so high energy. But you can't. The Duracell bunny attacker is never can never have like um, can never be that guy. Like Oscar, the person who is most similar to to Mount, I think, in his position, not that guy either. Like there is no, there's no Duracell bunny attacker that is like that. That's ever really that high rated because apart from running around and and giving high energy and tackles and winning winning the ball back and pressing, that's not what we want from attackers. You can move him to midfield, but he's not he's not that great from midfield either. So even if you move him to midfield, I personally will be expecting a better eight to come in and take his position. Very, very well put there, Freeman. Very, very well put. Um, I'm going to give you a, a chance, Simpson, to dispute anything that, that, that Freeman said before going into, into the next question. No, I'm not going to dis- disagree with too much. Um, I'm just going to say, given the freedom, I mean, I've seen him play as an 8 at Derby. Um, for Tez, he played as a 10 and an 8, and he added value. And I think in a clear system where he's told to pick and choose. I can't imagine the Mason Mount that is getting the plaudits from um, yes, Gareth Southgate's and Thomas Tuchel's um, because of his energy and his pressing to shirk on his defensive abilities at the moment, especially when he's not producing on the offensive end. So for him to like just go hell for leather and attack and let the guy who's the primary creator in this in this instance, Akai Havertz, it's hard for me to um, to kind of get my head around and see happening. But nothing is set in stone, so it'd be it'd be interesting to see um, if they if they if they ever went that route of um, uh, midfield three. Fair enough, fair enough. And the last question from John Brown: Thoughts on Nkunku? How you like to and how you like to see him utilized based on his strengths. Um, I'm going to start with you on Timpson on that one. Actually, before we even go into that one, are you a fan of the Inkuku signing? Or what, what what are your thoughts on this on the signing? I don't think we've even, we've been discussed in, in in the first place. Not at all. I think he's a talented attacker, but he's not a winger. He's not a ten. He's um, he's not a number nine. He's not a player that <clears throat> he's not a player that has a fixed position in like a. I don't, and I'm not. I've never been a fan of any of those. He can play anywhere across. He can play up front or anywhere in the three positions behind the striker in a four-two-three-one. I'm just not a fan of those players. Pick a position, excel in it, refine your game, and excel further. And 
whilst he has dribbling moments, he's a, he looks to be a good finisher, good creator. I don't see anything um, in in each specific element in terms of his chance creation. Um, I haven't seen anything that's gone, wow, he's going to create buckets for us. I haven't seen anything in his goal scoring that goes, this guy is the answer to our goal scoring issues. So he's a bit of an in-betweener and he's the level above. He, he's not quite the level of like an Andre Scherler who's like, is he a winger? Is he an attacker behind the striker? Is he a striker? He's not giving me those kind of vibes, definitely not giving me Timo vibes, but I have limited expectations. Fair enough, and um, Freeman, what about you? I mean, I'm not, um, I'm, I've not, I've not, I've not done my research, um, fully on 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 him, but um, from what I have seen in the games I've watched him play, because obviously he's a regular Champions League player, from I've seen it, he's impressive, and he does, it doesn't, he doesn't worry me in the sense that we're gonna sign someone who who who's not gonna who's gonna look out of place in the team and look out of place for um, in the Premier League. It's like a like a Werner did. He definitely he he definitely has the technical security, and um, I've, honestly, most of the time that I watch him, I'm impressed by his um his his aerial ability, man. Like I feel like he's he's one of those players that is like he he's got a leap on him. He's like an athlete. He's a yeah, man. He's he's an athlete. But obviously, um, I'm not really interested in uh in signing more strikers to be honest like I'm, I'm not really interested in signing more strikers and yeah kind of echoing what Timson said I'm not sure I'm not sure he's he uh, he's he's got enough in his creation bag to to, to kind of be the player that we need but obviously if like um if the signing's thinking like okay well Obama Yang is on the decline and he's not going to be a long-term signing then obviously that's a fair like for like replacement so I'm quite happy on that front but um, I definitely am looking for a creator, like someone who we could just say, okay, this guy is here one hundred percent because he's got a, got creative ability, and he's he that's that's just his bag. Like a lot of hybrid players, like even with Havertz, right, where he's like, yeah, he's not a solid creator, he's not like a, a, a only a goal scorer, he's a bit of everything. It's like, yeah, you're a bit of everything, but. You know, we kind of need you to be a bit of something. Like, you can't really just be a bit of everything because a lot of, like, yeah, man, a lot of the creativity that I saw from Havertz in the Bundesliga disappeared completely in the Premier League. So I'm worried in the sense that he's not, um, he's not someone that you can rely on for creativity, a hundred percent. I'm, I'm confident that he'll be able to provide, he'll be able to improve, improve us anyway. But, um, but yeah, I like, I feel like he'll be, he's a better signing than maybe, let's say, uh, Aubameyang. And he's gonna be a better side than one, obviously. But um, but I'm not I'm not enamored, I'm not like, yeah, this is gonna change our fortune. Happy that we can still attract, you know, um talent of his caliber, but definitely looking for um creation man, and, and having a creative. But yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not concerned. I feel like he will become um he will be a, a starter for us. And uh, I hope I hope we can we can supplement his sign in, let's say, with uh with 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 more creativity and that way because yeah man I don't I don't want us to sign I don't like us signing strikers and then watching them be shit and then be like oh this is the strikers fault let us sign a creator and then let us watch the striker miss chance after chance after chance after chance that's what I, I want to see a Chelsea player up there in the in the big chances missed category man that's the stat that I'm looking forward to seeing I want to see a Chelsea player up there with 25 big chances missed man that's what I'm missing man I want to see that happen again. I don't want to see us, 
you know, looking at a striker who's got like 12 goals and being like, oh, why didn't they score 20 goals? And, and it's like the expected goals that they were supposed to score was like 15. And it's like, that's that's why they didn't score 20 goals. They were not expected to score 20 goals. If you do not expect, if you can't expect them to score goals because they're not having the chances, then it's normal that they don't score them. So I want to see a creator who creates lots of chances and then it'll be on Havertz, Obama Yang, um, the, the the new Fofana guy that we signed and 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 um Nkuku to miss those chances and to miss miss a whole bunch of them chances and also to score a whole bunch of them chances and then everyone will be happy because if you score goals, all is forgiven. That's that's basically the rule of football. It doesn't matter what you do, isn't that right, Ronaldo? Very, very well put there, Freemium. And I think that's the perfect place to end the podcast. Um I guess we can also probably get a media's opinions on Nkuku. I know he's quite big on him, so I mean, he would probably be able to give a, a a good like little squat report on him. So maybe when he's on, I'll ask him a bit about Nkuku there, so he can give the listeners something to listen to. But again, boys, um, thanks for joining me, listeners. Thanks for listening. Make sure you use the, the hashtag Touchline Freckerson. Yeah, we'll catch you later. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.